Thank you for listening to the Motion City Church Podcast. This week, we begin a brand new five-part teaching series called Happily Even After. We know that every love story has a beginning, but many times what happens even after the I do's is anything but a fairy tale. So what does it look like to live happily even after? Let's listen in on week one where we discuss starting well. Well, once again, good morning, everyone. I, my name is Steve. If I haven't gotten the chance to meet you, I'm the drummer and the speaker called in sick, so I had to cover. I'm going to cover for that. Yahoo. Um, no, I'm the lead pastor. Our drummer actually called in sick, and so if you know Tony, pray for Tony. He's been uh, a little under the weather, so I got to sit in on drums today and and work out some issues and and got to hit some stuff hard. So it was great. It was a good morning. But uh, I mean, it's so good to see everyone. This morning, uh, before we get into our, our, our new series, Happily Even After, uh, I just wanted to take just a, just a moment and, and, and just say that what I'm about to say deserves more than a moment because these people deserve more than a moment. But um, we are um, going through a season of transition again as a church, um, not when it comes to people involved in the church, but different roles in leadership. And, uh, and so Jen and I have been... Uh, just meeting with this couple and, and really kind of connecting, uh, reconnecting with their hearts and, and what God is leading them to do. And, and I'll just say, uh, before I say anything, um, I'll just say that. So Nathan and Elena, who are our worship leaders, they are transitioning out of being worship leaders here at Motion City Church. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a really great thing because God has been reigniting uh, and revealing and kind of pulling back some, some vines when it comes to what you guys are passionate about, what you guys feel ultimately that you're called to be doing, uh, which is social work and just these things that God is birthing in their hearts. And one of these things is, is just we want to, they want to focus in on that, focus in on some opportunities with Elena finishing up school. And so um, for the last year or so, Nathan and Elena have taken on the the worship ministry here at Motion City Church, and they could have not come at a better time for me. They were an answer and have remained an answer to a very, very specific prayer for people who could lead a team of musicians, lead a community, a faith community into the presence of God through worship, and they have done that so faithfully week in and week out, and, uh, and they came at such a perfect time for me in my life because I was preaching and leading worship and leading worship and preaching, and, and it was just, I was honestly, I was at this point of burnout, and I told God, I said, God, if you don't bring someone quick, I don't know if I can keep this up. And then uh, Blake goes, well, hey, you were praying about that. I know somebody who might work. And I was like, who? He goes, my roommate. I'm like, you live with the person? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, well, how long have they been? And he goes, well, a couple of months. I'm like, what? And it's like, hide it under a bushel? No. And, and so then we, Jen and I had lunch, immediately fell in love with these guys. And, and they're still just so crazy about you guys and so excited about the things that God has in store for you. Uh, Elena actually is going to be uh, heading out for the summer. Uh, she's going on tour with a worship touring traveling worship team from North Central University, which we are so pumped and excited about. We will know, now here's the deal, come fall when she comes back and she wears aviator sunglasses inside and has a posse traveling with her because she's too cool for school. We can say we knew her then. And that is all, it'll, no, <laughs> but just so excited for her to, to, to go out. And so they're still going to be a part of the church, which we're, which we're most excited about. And, uh, but I just want to say, you guys, thank you so much for the last year. Um, you have brought an element to our team. You have brought just a, a, an environment into our home that has just been so fun. 
and you've taught Jen and I so much. Uh, hopefully, we've taught you a thing or two, but we just want to say, from the bottom of our hearts, we love you guys so much, and uh, they will be wrapping up their time at the end of this month, and so, and then we are just trusting and believing that God has the best for them and the best for us, because that's just the kind of God he is. He's, the, he's not the God of mediocre. He's not the God of, he's the God of great, and he's the God of the best, and so we are just, but we just want to say thank you guys so much. We love you guys, and can we just say thank you to Nathan and Elena? And again, because we're recording, they're not leaving the church. So it's on. T- no, <laughs> uh, that was that was part of the deal. We wouldn't let them quit unless they agreed to be a part of the church. So, um, so, so actually, you didn't even want to be here, but we just kind of roped you. And no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, me and Elena have some f- unique conversations, but. Uh, but, man, once again, happy Sunday. Man, it has been a beautiful weekend so far. Hopefully you got some time yesterday to enjoy outside, go for a walk. Free comic book day, I guess, was yesterday. I learned that. I was informed, so I watched a Batman documentary because I didn't get to go to a comic book shop because I am trapped in my basement. Um, so, um, But we are so excited that you guys are with us. We are going to be kicking off this morning a, a new five-week teaching series. Um, and what we're going to be looking at is the topic of relationships. And, and, and more specifically than just relationships, we're going to be talking about romantic relationships, if you didn't catch by the video. And then more, more, just even going a step further, more than romantic relationships, we're going to be talking about the topic of marriage. And I know because I have sat, I sat for many years sitting in churches, in ministries where the, immediately when someone's like, oh, we're talking about marriage, I'm single, I'm not even dating anyone, I'm single and ready to mingle, but no one's ready to mingle with me, this is my time to just check out, check Facebook, do whatever, and, and historically that's where I have checked out. Historically that is where many people check out. Um, but what I want to say quickly before we dive into this is that no matter where you are in the relational spectrum, whether you're single, whether you're dating, uh, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, uh, whether you're married and have kids, married and empty nesters, maybe, uh, I don't think we have any, but if anybody's listening online, because apparently people do that, if you're a widow or a widower, um, there is something that I believe we can all take from the next five weeks. And, and even if, you know, we feel like we've got some things under wraps and we've got some things figured out when it comes to either how to not be in a relationship or to be in a relationship, I really believe that there is never, uh, it's, it, there's never a waste of time when you're trying to become a better person. And so no matter where you're at relationally, you can take some of the things, many of the things I believe that we're going to be talking about over the next five weeks, and you can add them to your arsenal of just being a person, just being a good person with potential for relationships. And I love what Andy Stanley said. He said, no one ever wasted their time becoming a better person. He also said, and in, in, in Andy Stanley, he's the pastor of North, uh, North Point Church in Atlanta. Uh, he's author of over 20 books. In one, of his new bo- in one of his books, The New Rules for Love, Sex, and Dating, Andy Stanley says this. He says, this is going to be up on the screen. He says, too many people are too busy looking for the right person instead of becoming the right person. Become the person, the person you're looking for is looking for, and over the next five weeks, we're going to be diving into some practical things that you can do to have a happily even after type of marriage. Uh, When we say happily even after, it sounds a little different because usually it should be happily ever after, but how many of us know happily ever after doesn't exist? Because I guarantee you Prince Charming forgot to send in a bill at some point and Cinderella got all over him. So happily ever after ended there. Uh, 
But we know that happily ever after doesn't exist, but we believe that happily even after very much does. And this is a happily even after uh, the honeymoon is over. Happily even after the rent or mortgage is due or missed or late. Happily even after the in-laws and the kids. Happily even after you get that type of news that rocks you to your foundation after that death you didn't see coming or actually saw coming a mile away, you can have an happily even after kind of marriage. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at the topics of starting well. If you're taking notes, we're going to be looking at the topics of starting well. We're going to be looking at the topics of fighting fair, making your marriage a priority, having fun, and never giving up. And so in preparation for this series, I, I, I thought, you know, we, we've got some really amazing people at this church, at Motion City Church. We've got some amazing people. We've got some incredibly smart people. And so what I did is I asked some people who are smarter than me uh, some questions when it comes to the topics that we're going to be talking about, and they agreed to be a part of a video. So if you want to take a look at the screen, uh, this is some information that they said. Oh, man. So we have some really wise and, can I just say, really good-looking people at this church, let me tell you. But uh, this morning, what we're going to be looking at is honestly what I believe in the time we have remained the most important step in any sort of relationship, in any sort of marriage. And this morning's talk is going to be called uh, Starting Well. And I know that Sunday mornings oftentimes seem, are, are very much a monologue. But what we're hoping is that the monologue drips into a conversation. And that hopefully, uh, this is not the last time you guys just, uh, talk about these topics. Hopefully there's lots of discussion because communication was a big thing. And so hopefully you get, there's communication. But hopefully the monologue doesn't end and then nothing happens. Hopefully this leads into, into conversation. Um, but one of the things that I have learned um, over my years, years of painting houses and kind of doing much more of a, a blue-collar work career as a painter is that nothing of significance ever starts by accident. I have been on some, in some sketchy homes that feel like they have been started on accident, that they have been started without a plan. And one of the things is that you can start things without a plan and get to a destination, but I don't believe it's going to be the significant destination that God ultimately has in store for, for us when it comes to relationships and when it comes to marriage. So no great house was ever built on accident. No great steak was ever cooked by accident. No great relationship ever starts on accident, but every great relationship begins with a great foundation. And now I can say honestly for Jen and myself, we did not start off well. To be totally honest, the plane almost crashed the moment it was close to taking off. I had come off of a very uh, serious relationship, almost seven-year relationship, and and when I met Jen, I basically kind of threw this, and this is not like me boasting, there's nothing great to take from this example, but it's, it, what, I, what I started to do is I started to just date as many people as possible because it seemed smarter at the time to give a little part of myself to a lot of people rather than risking giving all of myself to one person, which I had done and gotten burned and gotten hurt because of it. And so I thought, never intending honestly to hurt anyone, that if I didn't if I didn't get hurt, that was what I was, was going after. And, and, and almost tanked our relationship before it even started. And, and I almost missed what is the greatest relationship that I've ever had in my entire life. I almost killed something great from the start. And, and, and honestly, I see it 
all the time in ministry and as a pastor that, and, and, and as we talk, as Jen and I have talked with people over numerous years of ministry who have dealt with, or are dealing with very just deep-rooted, very heavy uh, conflicts and circumstances, usually what can happen is we can trace the timeline from the beginning of the issue and we can trace it back to something that happened at the start that shouldn't have happened. And one of the things that I find so fascinating is that we as humans, honestly, we are planning people. Like, we are people who plan. And if you're in this place, like, I'm not really a planner. I'm kind of like a go-with-the-flow type person. No, no, no. You are a planner because uh, you plan on what college to go to after high school because there's a drive. I have known women who from the age of seven knew what their wedding was going to look like and where they were going to get married and who they were going to get married to and how it was going to look. I've known guys who have for years planned out the either perfect set of golf clubs, the car, the boat, or the phone, and so we, that they're going to get next. And so we as people are planning people. We make plans. But when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to marriage, isn't it interesting how so often we plan for a day, but yet forget to plan for the next 50 years? We plan for the wedding and not a marriage, which is why we believe so much in premarital counseling at Motion City Church. And, and if you're going to get married, man, Jen and I love doing premarriage counseling. It's one of my favorite things to do because I get to talk about things and stir up crap and then leave. I love doing that. I just think it's so fun. And, and, but the reality is, is man, we, we, we spend so much time planning for this moment and forgetting that, man, life is long and that God intends marriage to be a lifelong commitment for two people. Because the reality is love is just isn't enough. Love is not enough to sustain a healthy relationship because love will not, the feeling of love will not get you through the fights. The feeling of love will not get you through the temptations, the kids, and the in-laws, the, the unplanned expenses. But feelings fade, and what, we're, what you're left with is ultimately a question of not when did this happen, when did this life happen? Because this is not what I had planned. The question is not, when did this happen? But the question should be, what will we do when it happens? Now, here's the great news. And the great news is, is that God is the author of all relationships. God is the beginning of every relationship. We see in Genesis that God is in relationship with himself as the Father and the Son and the Spirit, that God is a relational God, and he is the author of relationships. He is the creator of marriage. And God gives us many principles when it comes to how we are to live and function in relationships when it comes to our marriages. And this morning, I'm just going to give you three uh, when it comes to starting well, and, and again, if you're not married, hopefully these are principles, and you're not dating, hopefully these are principles that you can just kind of tie into the arsenal of life. But the reality is, if you are married, there are things that you can take from these to, to continue to have a happily, even after married, marriage, kind of marriage, because God wants you to go the distance. So whether you're engaged, married, single, these are good to know. And principle number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Look for your soulmate. Look for your soulmate. Now, just so you know, for all the OCD people, the spelling is intentional. The spelling is intentional. Look for your soulmate. Now, here's the deal. I may be, I may be crushing someone's dream right now about what I'm about to say, but I'm just going to say it and move on. I'm going to drop that grenade, let it explode, and move on. But I do not think 
that there is just one person on this planet that you are intended to marry. I just don't. I just believe that God's too creative for that. I, don't th- I think that's too limiting for God. And, and I know it goes, and somewhere on the planet, right now, Nicholas Sparks just threw up. And he doesn't know why, but he just threw up because I just, I just because I, honestly, I just don't believe that there's just one person out there for you to marry. And, and so when you're looking, and when we look at this word soulmate, we're not looking for the word soul like S-O-U-L as one and only. We're looking at the word soul like the sole of your shoe. Romantic, right? I mean, super romantic. But what this means is that we should be looking for someone who is moving in the same direction spiritually that we are. And as followers of Jesus, our primary focus in life is our relationship with Jesus. And as we grow in our faith, and as we grow, and as we look for practical ways to live out our faith in Christ, we should be looking for someone who's moving in the same direction as we are. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 14, says this. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people." One of my favorite things in life to experience, not to experience, but to witness, I'll say that, because I hate this. But one of my favorite things to experience is watching three-legged races. Like back in the old school days at church, like picnics and stuff, there would always be family reunions, there was a three-legged race, and, and, and if you're at a, at a, at a carnival at, at, at a, outside of the metro sort of town, man, there's just so many fun things to see. But I love watching three-legged races, and there are two specific age groups of people that I love watching three-legged races. I love watching them with kids, and I love watching them with grown-ups, because how many of us know teenagers and college students are just too cool to be in three-legged races? And so all we have left are kids and grown-ups, but I love watching kids who participate in three-legged races. It's so fun to watch two people, two individuals, with low-functioning motor skills, get bound together and then released to run together towards a finish line. It's a hilarious disaster because they are working independently while tied together and there's lots of falling down and there's lots of of tears and there's lots of parents encouraging them. There's that one psycho dad who is just like treating it like it's the World Series and yelling at their kid for falling down. It's like, whoa, dude, you just got to chill out for a second. But I just love watching three-legged races. I think it's so funny. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is very much ties along with that very out-of-left-field example. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he is reminding Christians that the trajectory of their life and the direction of their heart is no longer towards the things of this world, but it's the things towards Christ. It's it's towards eternal things. And he's reminding Christians that because their trajectory and direction is now different, the, the life choices that they make are to be different as well. The people that they are committed and tied to. And, and what Paul is saying is that, man, why would someone who's following Jesus be yoked together with someone who doesn't know Jesus? And oftentimes, and so I, I read this, and I'm like, man, I actually had to look up what a yoke was just because it's not a, a thing that I use in, in most conversation. I, I mean, I'm never talking with Nate, and, 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 we're just, and all of a sudden I just bring up the fact that, man, we're yoked together, man. 
Our wives are HGTV women, and we are yoked in the same direction. So what I wanted to do is I just want I found a picture of what this means. And, and so, if, so this is a yoke. Leave it up just for a little while, Chelsea. Thank you. And what would happen is you would take one oxen and you would put it in one stirrup, and you would take another oxen and you would put it in another stirrup. And oftentimes these would be used for oxen who would be bringing carts uh, to and from towns. If you're an Oregon Trail fan, this is what your, your oxen would be strapped to as you are effortlessly going through the Oregon Trail and dying of dysentery and in rivers. This is what your oxen would be yoked to. This is what your oxen would be connected to. And so what Paul's saying, in, 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 in what, and how he's saying this, he's speaking, and, and the language is very familiar, but basically he's saying for a believer to be yoked with an unbeliever, as he's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he goes, basically what you're going to do is you're going to put one ox facing one direction, you're going to put another ox facing another direction, and then you're going to try and get something done. And what you're going to find out very quickly is that nothing would happen because the, the two oxen would be battling against each other. And Paul is saying, and the same goes when it comes to marriage. For those, if one person has a relationship with Christ and they're actively pursuing their relationship with Christ, and then there's another person who just doesn't, who doesn't care, is indifferent, or sometimes even against uh, the concept of religion or Christianity, it's like putting two people trying to get to one destination at the same time together, working in different directions, putting pressure on the other, and, and it just doesn't work out well. Nothing would get done. I, I mean, again, I've seen this so many times throughout life and throughout my, my ministry. As, as oftentimes, these are the stories I hear is, well, here's the deal. We met at a party, and, it was, and, and here's the deal. It was, it was a really fun party, but the party wasn't even fun until I saw this person. I mean, they were such, I mean, they were so cute. I mean, do, do you realize how cute this person? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't realize that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I just, I just don't get it. Oh, but, but, and, and here's the deal. We started talking. And they're so interesting, and they're so funny, and they're so this, that, or whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, we go from just talking and hanging out with groups, we start hanging out together, and we're dating. And eventually after dating, we get married. And we don't really have the discussion about faith because I don't want this to end because, man, they are so cute. And I don't want to wreck it. So we, we don't have the faith conversation. But here's, they're a really good person. They're a really great person, and, and, and they have pretty good intentions. You know, honestly, I would just say, yeah, they're probably a Christian. They know about the Bible. They've seen a church. So I would say that, yeah, they're, they're a Christian. Then all of a sudden you get married, and all of a sudden you go on the honeymoon, and, and life just couldn't be better. And then all of a sudden there's this moment that happens where your priorities don't line up, where your values don't line up. And all of a sudden you realize that you're two oxen tied to a yoke moving in different directions. And, and, and what I've seen happen is, you have kids, and all of a sudden, one wants to go to church, and, and then he says, no, that's, that's, just, that's just a waste of time. I mean, you want to start giving. You want to start tithing. You want to start honoring God with, with your finances. You want to give to some, some missions organization. She's just like, no, absolutely not. Do you realize? I mean, we are living paycheck to pay. We cannot. This faith thing, that does not tie together in money. We can't, we can't do that. You want to go on a, a missions trip, and he just doesn't see the point. You want to start serving in the local church, and he goes, why do we have to show up early, man? Can we just show up five minutes later, then they go? But uh, you, you want to guard your kids against the, 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 the issues of porn, and he just says, well, that's just, what God, that's just what kids do. And all of a sudden you realize, man, your values aren't lining up. You're two oxen 
who are working against each other, but when the two of you are moving in the same direction spiritually, when two people, when you know that living life God's way is not, not just the best way, but it's the only way to live, you begin to go after the same things because God is your focus and your trajectory is towards him. When your values begin to line up, you'll begin to see things happen in your relationship and in your marriage that are just, that are far beyond anything you could ever have asked or imagined or hoped or dreamed because your trajectory and your goals are moving in the same direction. Now, for those who are single, I've talked to, to many. And it's amazing how difficult sometimes the dating scene can be for our singles. And, and, and what I'm saying in, in, in what I'm talking about is the fact that, like, it, it, most people, I just, I just want someone who is sane, breathing, Sane and breathing, that's pretty much the true, and it's like, and all of a sudden I'm just saying, man, no, but here's, here's the deal, the expectations need to be higher, because you, you have to understand that it's not just about that person being the way that they're viewed, but it's the fact that you have been created and purposed by God. You have been intentionally made, you are made with purpose, on purpose, for a purpose, and what I am saying in this moment can be so discouraging because you are basically looking for breathing and sane, and I'm saying you have to look for more than that. So what it does is it limits the scope in which you look for people. But here's the thing that I never realized, is limitations bring freedom. Limitations bring freedom, and it doesn't sound sexy, and it doesn't sound fun. It's like, man, like, but no, here's the thing. When you know what you're looking for, you know very much what you're not looking for. And you will avoid what you're not looking for by the plague, like the plague, because you know that, man, this is, this is the trajectory I'm moving in, and this is where I'm going, and this is what my life is about. And, to, and, and so here's the deal. If it's not about Jesus, if it's not about serving the Lord, man, I got no time for this. And so all of a sudden, you'll see less people in your lane, but you'll begin to see people moving in the direction that you're moving. You'll begin to see people moving towards the things that you're moving for, the way, the, with passions that your heart has passions for. And all of a sudden, you're like, man, I wouldn't be mind being yoked to that person. With that person, man, they got unique passions and unique gift sets, and man, there's just something that God does in those moments, but, but so often where we get in trouble is we, we begin to compromise because life is lonely at times. Let's not, let's not ignore that fact. That life can be lonely. And I know that this sounds discouraging, but what I want to encourage you this morning is that then there is liberation and limitation. Do not compromise when it comes to your soulmate. Find someone who's moving in the same direction as you. Principle number two is this. Marry a friend. Marry a friend. King Solomon uh, read the Bible. King David, he's the guy who killed Goliath. Chopped off his head. It's such a fun story. It's my favorite story. Because it's like, how often do you just see this dude just lop off this dude's head? Like, it is awesome. It's uh, just, anyway. Um, but King Solomon, who is King David's son, he wrote a book of the Bible called The Song of Songs. And in it, it's basically this conversation between a husband and wife. And in chapter 5 of this conversation, the wife says something. She's, she's, she's with her friends and their girl talking. And, and she says something very quickly, but it's very important. And it's a very important statement about her husband. Check this out in Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 16. It says this. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. He is my beloved. This is my friend. Daughters of Jerusalem. What she is saying about her husband, that he's not just my lover. I know some of you are like, ah, 
He said the L word. I usually don't like that word unless it's referring to pizza and meat. That's the only time I use the word lover. But what she's saying is like this guy, that's a 30 Rock joke for all those people. Uh, but it's a, but he, she, what she's saying is she's not just my lover. He's not just my beloved. He is not just the eye candy of my life, but he is my friend. And he was my friend before he was my lover, before he was my beloved. He is my friend. And isn't it amazing that when life happens, we've all had those experiences where life shows up. When it comes to marriage, one of the first things to fall away is the, is the friendship factor. Where marriage can become more like a business than a relationship the way that it was intended to be. And if we're not careful, the friendship part of our marriage can just go right out the window because there are bills to pay and kids to raise and fences to build and shiplap to be put up. And Sorry, that's just my life, sorry. Uh, but uh, and there's just those moments where if we're not careful, if we're not looking out for it, we can lose the sight of the fact that we, we, were, we married someone who at one time was a very good friend. And see, like I said, like, man, and I'm all for love. I, I love love. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of love. I love my wife. I love my kids. But the feelings of love fade. And when the feelings of love fade, I don't care about how much you say you love or love that person. Do you like the person? Do you like the person that you're with. I love Jacob and Jessica's interview. It's like, man, find someone who you have fun doing the mundane things of life with. Someone who can remain a friend even when life happens. Do you, I don't care if you love the person. Do you like the person? John Gottman, he's an author of an amazing book called uh, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And he said 70% of both men and women interviewed for, in this national study for this book, he, they, they all agree, 70% of both men and women agree, that the single greatest factor when it comes to marital satisfaction is the friendship factor. He also says that the friendship factor does not limit the amount of disagreements that a couple may have throughout the course of their marriage. This is what I say, fighting is good. The couples that don't fight are the couples that I worry about because if you're fighting, you're still communicating, and that's good. But he says it, but the friendship factor doesn't limit the amount of negative interactions that we have throughout the course of our life and our marriage. Remember, you married an independent person, and an independent person married you. And man, there are differences of opinion, and sometimes arguments happen. He goes, but what the friendship factor does is when things look like they're spiraling out of control, when there's the remembrance that, no, this isn't, this isn't my enemy, this is my friend. It's amazing the severity of the fight can begin to die down because friends are willing to forgive each other. Friends are willing to forgive when instinct says otherwise. Friends are willing to, to go the distance with you. And there's that old saying that says opposites attract, and I've, I've heard it most of my life, but the reality is that 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 may be true for magnets, but it's not the sole criteria when it comes to looking for someone that you should marry or when you're looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Not just like, well, they're the exact polar opposite of me and this should work out. And like that just doesn't happen. Uh, uh, Neil Warren, author Neil Warren says this, and we're going to put this up on the screen. It says, the research is quite clear. Every similarity that you, that a couple shares is like money in the bank. 
The research is quite clear. Every similarity that a couple shares is like money in the bank. What do you enjoy doing together? Because again, it's not the sole criteria when it comes to picking a potential spouse, but it is important when you increase your friendship factor because, man, friends will go the distance. Physical, att physical attraction is not enough to build a solid relational foundation. My wife married a very good-looking man. And then eight years happened and two kids and four moves and a church plant. And I'm, you know, I'm not the same guy my wife married. Bless her heart. She sticks with me. But the, the thing about it is, man, like, physical attraction is not enough to build a foundation. But here's the deal. Friendship is the brick and mortar of every healthy relationship. Friendship is the brick and mortar of every healthy relationship. As much as you love them, once again, do you like them? And that's, that's, that's just huge. Our third and final principle this morning is, is this for all of our singles, including our, our married couples and our engaged couples. Principle number three is stay pure. Stay pure. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4a says this, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. See, what's happening is we are living in a culture that is consistently taking sex and removing it from the context that it was created and intended for. I use it in, in this example. I'm not the inventor of Coke. I love Coca-Cola. I wish they would still bottle it up with the lime. I think it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite drinks. But I don't get to say what Coke is used for because I'm not the one who created it. I'm not its creator. And, and, and what we're seeing within culture is, is, is we live in a culture that is taking sex and removing it from its proper context. And when the, when the context in which God created it for, it, it existed to be an intimate interaction, an intimate exchange in the context of marriage between a husband and a wife. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 says this. This is, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife and they become one flesh. This is the order that in which God ordains sex. Step number one is you grow up, you get a job. And you move out of your parents' house, hopefully. So that's step number one. And step number two is you have a ceremony and you get married in front of witnesses and in front of people. Usually when it's somebody, it's either, it can be somebody that's hired by the state or it can be me as a pastor, but we, we, are, we are creating... Um, what I love is, as being a pastor is we, we don't look at it as a contractual obligation, but we look at it as a covenant of someone saying, no, this is the person I am committing my heart and my life to. And covenant, a contract can be broken, but man, covenant is, is lifelong. Covenant has roots, and so you, you grow up, you get a job, you move out, number two, you get married, and then you get to have sex. It's the reward at the end of the task. You know what I mean? It's the cheese at the end of the maze. It's the, it's, it's the money at the end of the bank deposit line. Like it is, it's, the, it's, it's this thing, and God views it as a good thing because for many, it's the reward. Yeah, you marry your friend, but here's the deal. This thing that was told, like it's gross and it's dirty, and it, until you get married, then it's awesome. But no, this is the reward. God's saying, man, this is the order in which I've ordained and created for sex to be. And, and when sex is taken out of its proper context, things go south in a big way. Studies show, I mean, studies show that singles who participate in sex outside of marriage with multiple sexual partners have, have less, likely, less likely of a percentage to achieve a long-lasting, satisfying marriage because what's happening is we're seeing 
people, younger and younger people, move from sex partner to sex partner, and they are practicing and rehearsing for what God intended for being the commitment to one husband or one wife. And what's happening is we are practicing something that we were not prepared for. And what we're doing, what we're seeing happen is, is we're seeing people have multiple sex partners, and then when the relationship goes south, when things get a little bit difficult, when you've had one fight too many, one or both choose to separate from the relationship, and they begin to move on with their lives, and they find somebody else who they enjoy being in a relationship with, they enjoy, some, they enjoy another sexual partner, and then the, the habit continues, and the, what they've begun to practice is, again, what was only designed for marriage, and what we see is that we are living in a culture that is constantly practicing for divorce rather than marriage. And what they're doing and what people do is they accumulate baggage with each relationship that they have. They start accumulating baggage. They start accumulating hurts. They start accumulating the Rolodex of other people that they will eventually bring into a marriage relationship. And then all of a sudden there's things like the intimacy is broken down because what was intended for one person has now been split between multiple partners. Intimacy begins to break down. Comparison rises. And so Paul unapologetically, and he's, I love the way Paul writes, he's unapologetically blunt when he talks about keeping the marriage bed pure in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. It says this, he says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Have you ever seen someone flee before? I think you have, and actually I think you may have participated in numerous activities when it comes to fleeing. Let me, let me ask you this way. Have you ever been chased by a wasp? And you know how you just run, and you don't care who sees you, and you may even yell? And you just flail and run and just as fast as you can get those legs of yours moving, and usually what ends up happening is if you're by a body of water, you just run straight towards the water. Like, and you just, because... From what I know, scientifically, wasps can't breathe underwater. And so you just, I mean, and you just run with everything. I mean, and if, if you ever see me running like that, it's because I'm being chased. But man, like you, that's, that's fleeing. It's just unabashed, just unapologetic. Just get the crap out of there. And Paul is saying when it comes to sexual immorality, man, run like that. Run like a group of wasps is chasing you. Get out of that place. Because what happens is, if we don't flee, if we don't get out of there, what we'll begin to do is we'll begin to flirt with this relationship. We'll begin to flirt with this person at work. We'll begin to flirt with and how far can I get on my computer without actually pressing enter and getting to the pornographic websites? And then, you know, then, but then what happens is flirting actually is never enough because uh, most of us who are married, we just still don't just, we don't just flirt. Because there was a point where it just didn't matter anymore. And so then what we do is we begin to engage. And when we engage, we reduce our ability to intimately connect with our future spouse who God intended and has purposed for us to for for us to be intimate with only staying pure remaining pure is so important especially and here's the deal for us married couples it is so important to remain sexually pure because there is so much more at stake 
This is a point that King Solomon made uh, very real to his son when he said this in Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 27. He says, can a man scoop fire onto his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. And verse 32 says this, but a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. One of the biggest critiques I get as a Christian when I have conversations with people who aren't Christians is, man, the Bible is just so harsh. Like, it's just so harsh. It's just so black and white. It's just so this way or that way and no in between. And, and yes, it is. And I read these verses, and, and this may sound harsh, but what we have to understand is that this is coming from the heart of a father who wants to see, who wants his son to know the severity of chasing emotional and physical relationship after emotional and physical relationship that will ultimately lead to his ruin. And, and I believe that the same God who King Solomon worships is the same God that we worshiped. And, and here's the deal, I want the best for your relationships. I want the best for your relationships. I want to see your relationships succeed. If you're not married, I want to see your future marriage succeed. I want to see your current marriage succeed. And the crazy thing is that as much as I want the best for you, God wants it even more. He wants the best for your relationships. He wants the best for your marriage, way more than I could ever do. And to get God's best for your life, you have to do things God's way. To get God's best for your life, you have to do things God's way. And, and, and I know we've got a lot of married couples and we've got a lot of engaged couples in our church. And, and, and I know I've hit, and this is like, I mean, it's, man, you play such a cute song at the beginning of the video. And then, but here's the deal. I know we all come from different backgrounds, different experiences. And the difficult thing is I did not come into my relationship with Jen sexually pure. I came with the Rolodex, I came with the experience, I came with all the things that I'm telling everyone not to come in with. But here's the amazing thing. Is that no matter what you walked into your marriage with, God has grace for that. No matter what you've dealt with or no matter what you're dealing with, God has grace for that. And so I think it's very appropriate that we kick off our series with the conversation, the topic of starting well, because it is important to start well, but the more important is if you didn't, God is the God of startovers. God is the God of do-overs. And you can begin, no matter what you've walked in to your marriage with, I believe that in this moment, God's grace can cover a multitude of sins, can, got, can cover a multitude of indiscretions, can cover a multitude of things that you wish you could take back. But I believe that this morning, God can give you a do-over. God can start your story over because that's just the kind of God he is. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. He's a forgiving God. And so I want to pray for you this morning. And no matter where you're at in the relational spectrum, I believe that God's plans for your relationship are good plans. And if you want to see God's best, you need to do things God's way. 
And so my prayer for you this morning is that you would commit to doing things God's way. No matter where you're at, no matter if you're single, dating, engaged, married, my prayer is that you would do things God's way. And so Heavenly Father, I just pray Father, for every single person in here, and God, wherever anybody is in the, in the relational spectrum, God, I believe, God, that you have their best intentions in mind. It doesn't mean life's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that it's going to be any less difficult. It says, but God, you promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You, plan, you, you promise to walk with us every step of the way. And so God, no matter where anyone is right now, Father, whether people haven't even started when it comes to a relationship. God, I pray that they would commit to starting well. That they would commit to, to finding their soulmate, to, to, to look for a friend, and God, to remain sexually pure. God, I pray, Lord, that they would commit to starting well so that they can commit to finishing well. And God, for those in, here this morning, God, who, who are doing well, but, but God, there's just these things that keep coming up, and there's these things that keep hitting them out of nowhere. It seems like sometimes they just feel like they're walking in circles. God, would you just allow them the grace in this moment? Just kind of throw their hands up symbolically of saying, okay, God, I can't do this on my own anymore. And God, may they commit to starting again, but starting with you at the center and committing to doing things your way. Father, this world needs to see relationships that honor God. They need to see relationships that are committed beyond circumstance. They need to see relationships that honor marriage and sex and the other person. God, would that begin with us as we are followers of Jesus? God, may this begin with us and may it end with you coming back at the end of all things, God, for a, a church, a, a, a bride, as you say in Scripture, who is blameless and without blemish. So, God, may things begin today in hearts and in lives, God, because, God, we want to see things done your way. So it's interesting. Once again, thank you for listening to the Motion City Church Podcast. We want to be able to walk with you and beside you as you go throughout life. So if you ever have a need for prayer, we want to be able to pray with you. Please email us at motioncityprayer at gmail.com. We would also love to have you join us in person next week. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at Falwell School of Performing Arts. We hope you have a fantastic week.